Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Bases Podcast Express Show. I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you so much for joining for episode two of the Total Brace, the Total Bases Express Show. Remember, the Total Bases Show is now uh, going on weekdays and the weekends. So you'll have Felipe and Sean in the uh, in the weekends on Sundays, on Sunday mornings, and I will be here Thursday evenings. Uh, we are live here on Facebook and the best. Uh, Facebook group in the land baseball life. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, this is the second episode of the, uh, of the pod of this podcast. And we are going to be going over some interesting research that I did. Um, it was inspired by, in fact, one of our um, admins for the baseball life, Vince Mercandetti um, doing a new uh, podcast, the uh, orange pinstripe podcast with some other baseball life members, uh, and admins, uh, Henry and, and James Hannibal and, uh, people like that. So, uh, it was a really interesting podcast. I saw the podcast last night with Henry and James. So, you know, be sure to check them out too, but, uh, not before you check us out. Um, so we, uh, Vince a long time ago decided, uh, to break down the Yankees roster based on how, um, how each player was acquired. Are they acquired by a trade? Are they acquired through their farm system? Are they acquired through the, the waiver wire, the rule five draft? Well, how are they acquired and what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? And it started to trend in the baseball life Facebook group. I ended up doing the angels. I did. Um, I did a few other people. I know angel uh, Morales, I believe did the raise. Uh, there was a few people that did their own respective teams. I did a few teams and decided this would be a really cool research to see if there were trends to these, the way that this roster, um, is made the way that the rosters are made. And if there's a correlation between wins and, how a roster is constructed or even farm system, stuff like that. It went, I went into a deep hole. Um, I'm going to show you some of the research that I have today. Um, so I, it is, uh, it's great to see everybody. There's a lot of comments going on right now. Uh, love to see the uh, comments. It's great. I'm going to keep tagging everybody. Um, so if you, you know, if you don't like it, then just don't pay attention to it. Keep scrolling. Uh, and that goes for those of you that are out listening to the audio and the, watching the YouTube and whatnot. If you don't like it when somebody tags in a baseball group about a baseball podcast that the baseball group puts on, just keep scrolling. Um, so, but yeah, I'm seeing a lot of, let's see, uh, the guardians breakdown. Let's, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm an angels fan. So I'm getting asked where the angels move into. I actually saw one where the minor league team, the Portland pickles, uh, they, they reported that they bought the angels for 900 billion pickles or something like that. I, uh, I, that made me laugh. It was a lot of fun. Um, so um, we're going to get straight into this. I'm going to share my screen with you all. Uh, hopefully that doesn't take too long. So I'm going to bring up my first spreadsheet of the Total Bases uh, podcast show, uh, Total Bases Express show. And the first spreadsheet I'm going to show you is I broke it down by division. And I wanted to see what each team did in terms of percentage. So I did five different categories because, and I basically I broke it down. Uh, credit to um, the, what do you want to call it? The Fangraphs website uh, for, and I use roster resource showing me how each player was acquired on the team. Now the constraints was that they had to be on the MLB roster and it's as accurate as it was about four or five days ago. Um, so 
you know, there may have been some players that are sent down and go up, but it's constantly changing. So I couldn't constantly, you know, keep up with the spreadsheet. So I did the percentages and then that was it. And it's percentage of roster. So, you know, cause some people, and I did injured players as well. So some people had as low as 28 people on their roster, other teams that have had more injuries had like 40 people on the roster. So I decided to do um, percentage rather than number of people on each roster. And when we broke it down, it was really, it was really interesting to break it down via, um, via division and by team um, and even by percentage um, rather than numbers or, you know, just looking at it this way. So we're going to take a look at the AL East. As you see on the AL East, um, you have the Yankees, the Rays, Blue Jays, Orioles, and Red Sox. Um, and I broke it down by the standings. Uh, so the Yankees in first, obviously you see they focused the most on the uh, waiver wire, the trade and the waiver wire. 58.3% is by the waiver wire. Um, as you can see, most of the AL East, in fact, all of the AL East, the majority of their the majority of their roster is constructed by the trade and uh, the waiver wire process. Um, oh, by the way, the five, the five that I did, the five categories for those of you that are on audio only are um, homegrown players. So homegrown is um, players that were drafted and developed in their system in that team system and ended up playing on the actual roster. They were never traded. They were never signed via free agent rule five purchase contract. None of that. They were drafted and went up to the MLB system on that team. You have the free agency, you have the trade and waiver wire. I decided to do trade and waiver wire in the same bit because it just seemed like it was kind of the, it just seemed like it was kind of the same process. I also did rule five. There was a number of players that got picked up rule five and then purchase contracts. Um, so if, when you take a look at the AL East, most are uh, acquired via the trade, which makes sense when you think about it, because the AL East is a very, very competitive division and the more competitive divisions seem to be um, the more competitive divisions they're, they're wanting to trade and acquire via free agency to keep competing with teams like the Yankees and the Rays, uh, the Blue Jays are trying to compete, you know, uh, stuff of that nature. Um, so. Yeah, as you can see, there's your team's breakdown on the screen. I'm not going to go over every team. Doing all 30 teams, their breakdown is going to be, would be a tall task. So um, we're going to go to the next one, the AL West. The AL West, the, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. You have the Astros at 45.2% of their players being homegrown players. They drafted them and developed them as they went. Um, and then you know, still a good percentage being trade and waiver wire. To no surprise, the Mariners, 61.5% are trade and waiver uh, trade and waiver wire players. When you have somebody like Jerry DePoto, you're going to see something like this. Um, when it, uh, You're going to see most of their of your roster being constructed via trade. Uh, the Rangers, actually more free agency. Uh, the Angels are more balanced. So you're taking a more balanced approach at the moment. Um, you would like to probably see more aggressive free agents, more aggressive, um, tr um, trades and waiver wires, but you know, such is it is what it is. Obviously the homegrown is not working. They're one of the weaker farm systems. And then right now you're looking at the A's at 40.6 simply because, well, I mean, they traded away everybody and their mother that was really good in their system. So, you know, there's that. And then you have the AL Central breakdown. Uh, there, Here you go, Corey Richmond. Here is your, here's the Guardians breakdown. The Guardians are actually more homegrown. The majority of their 
Um, the majority of their roster is players that they drafted um, actually quite considerably. You have the uh, twins that are pretty balanced between drafted players and players they traded for the white Sox taking a truly ba um, truly balanced approach here, all within about a third of their roster. The Royals have heavily relied on their uh, homegrown players. And then what was really interesting is the Tigers in fifth, picking up a lot of players that were picked up in the rule five draft. Now this might have to do with the injuries and stuff like that. Um, but you know, other than that homegrown as well. So you're seeing a lot of the least, the lesser competitive divisions relying on their homegrown players, whereas the more competitive divisions such as the AL East, might I add, um, relying more on the trade and the waiver wire, something to think about once we get to the, uh, once I get to the other breakdown that was non-divisional. Um, so then we're going to go to the, uh, we're going to go to the NL. So here are the Mets or here's the NL East, uh, the Mets, the Braves, Phillies, Marlins, and Nationals. Um, so this one, this, this division is taking a more balanced approach, except for the Mets who are doing more trades. Uh, you were seeing a more aggressive ap approach from the new ownership. Um, so they went out and traded a bunch of people and picked people up on the waiver wire and things of that nature. But people behind them, the Braves, the Phillies taking a little more balanced approach. Um, the Marlins not really relying on the free agent market. They're not really all that, um, they're not really all that, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, active on the free agent market, but you've got um, a considerable reliance on either the homegrown players, which makes sense because they're very good at developing pitching, and then they're trading for bats. They're using their pitching to trade for bats, so a number of their bats are, pro are primarily acquired via trade. Uh, and then the Nationals uh, acquiring a lot via free agency, which I thought was really interesting for a last place team. You've been seeing a lot of last place teams relying like the Tigers um, and well, I guess really the Tigers, the Tigers were relying on homegrown, um, but trade and waiver wire, they're trying to do trades, not working out too well. The Nationals are actually relying more on the free agent market right now. Uh, the AL West, another competitive division. OK, and somebody mentioned this uh, in the baseball life group last night um, when I brought out the little teaser question on what do you think is the best way to construct a lineup? And um, one of the members said a balanced approach, much like um, much like the Dodgers have taken. Now, the Dodgers are very balanced. 34.2% for the trades, 34.2% for the free agents, 28.9% for the homegrown people right? Or for the homegrown players, very, very balanced approach. And they've done very, very well. Other teams that you see taking a balanced approach are in the middle of their league. The Dodgers in a competitive division, that is the NL West are up top and one of the best teams in baseball. So I don't, I think that speaks to their farm system, the quality of their farm system, the quality of their coaching, the quality of their front office, finding players that have great potential and that are meeting or exceeding their potential. So you have players that you can either put on your roster or you can trade for, for better players and they have the budget to go get free agents that are worth getting put on their team. Um, whereas you're seeing the Padres who have been very aggressive with trades lately, half their roster is acquired via trades. Um, and then you see the giants taking more reliance on free, on free agency. You've seen that the last couple of years, 
D-backs taking a more balanced approach. With the farm system that the D-backs have, I'm very surprised that the um, the percentage of homegrown players is as low as it is at 24.2%. And then the Rockies in fifth place, again, another team that's relying on homegrown players right now at the bottom of their division in fifth or, you know, at in fifth in their division, half of their, um, half of their players on their roster is homegrown and they're focusing the least on trades. And we've talked about that. We've talked about the Rockies, the Rockies big weakness is not capitalizing on their players that are, that have trade value and trading them players like, Trevor Story and players like even Nolan Arenado, who was at the top of the trade market a few years ago and basically got peanuts back uh, from from the Cardinals for Nolan Arenado. Uh, let's go to the the NL Central. Those Cardinals have a really really solid farm system, really solid coaching system. Their coaching methodology works, which is why they're able to rely on the homegrown players. Whereas some of the other teams haven't necessarily been able to do that over half, even though they're in first place, over half of their um, roster is homegrown. Uh, you have the trades at 34.4% and the free agency at 12 and a half percent. You never, you always see the Cardinals in on some free agents, but they never land the big free agents, which I think is really interesting. They're always in on it, but um, very little of their players are acquired via free agency. It's either trade or through their system. Um, the Brewers placing more emphasis on trades. The Cubs actually taking a very balanced sort of system here. Um, a little more homegrown in trade, less of a reliance on free agency, but still very balanced. And again, third in their division, not doing as well. You have the Reds, a, a reliance on their homegrown players, 40%, still at the bottom of their division. And then we could talk about the Pirates. They're doing trades and waivers, you know, the trades and the waiver wire and whatever. But when you look at the roster resource, a lot of their players were acquired via the waiver wire and not trades. Um, we've talked about the pirates and their tanking and things like that. So they're kind of an outlier along with the A's when it comes to stuff like that. Now you probably have heard me kind of hint at it a little bit, but it seems like the better player, the better teams are focusing on constructing their roster via the trade, the trade market and less on their homegrown players and their free agent market. Right? So what does that mean in terms of, um, what does that mean in terms of having a, having a competitive roster? How do you acquire players like that? So what I, what I feel like is you need a, what my hypothesis was, you need a solid sort of, uh, you need a solid farm system in order to rely on trades to get better players, right? If you don't have a great farm system, Trades is not going to work for you. Neither is homegrown. And you better have the money to have free agency, right? So with that being said, okay, I decided I'm going to put all the teams together. We're going to bunch them all up and we're going to put them all together and we're going to see how this shakes out. So I did another, sp another uh, spreadsheet here and I put them all together, okay? I ordered, I did their percent percentages, put them all together. No, nothing. No, um, no divisions, nothing, just the straight up teams where they are in their division. And, and then over here, I have their wins and their farm ranking. So here green is good. 
Red is not. Red is bad. See how the update, you know, so I did their farm rankings at the beginning of the year and their updated farm rankings as early, as uh, recent as last week, right? So green is good that, uh, you know, like for instance, the updated farm ranking is fifth, which means um, they're the fifth best farm system. Let me zoom out a little bit there. Okay. So let's do homegrown first. Let me order it by homegrown. So we're going to do the homegrown, sort it by homegrown. Come on, Google Sheets. Here we go. So the biggest reliance on our homegrown players is going to be the Royals, the Guardians, the Cardinals, the Rockies, the Tigers, the Astros, the Twins, and the Phillies, the Reds, and the Marlins. Those are the top 10, okay? In that list of players, you're seeing a mixed bag. You're seeing... First in the division, first in the division, cut with three division leaders. You're seeing a couple seconds and thirds, but mostly the bottom half of their division. It makes up this top 10. So that's why I was like, well, all of these different divisions are different in terms of competitiveness. The AL Central is not as competitive as the AL West, which is not as competitive as um, maybe the NL West and the AL East and the NL West are 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 competing against each other. So I decided to also break it down by wins. The Royals most heavily reliant on the, on their homegrown players, only 49 wins are only seeing a return of 49 wins. You're seeing some over, you know, at the time from last week, it was 49 wins, um, 64, 68 for the Cardinals. Um, and then you're looking at 53, 47, lots of red, not very many green in this top 10 here. Even when you look down to this about top 15 right here, you're seeing a lot more red and yellow, not a lot of green. Not a lot of higher performing teams, higher win teams are relying on homegrown players to be on their MLB roster. So here's a, there's another visual for you where maybe in this stage of the game, homegrown players maybe are not the best fit for your, for your roster. So, and the biggest, so transferring over to that, the biggest news getter is probably free agents, right? We talk about it all the time in the baseball life group. We talk about these big free agent gets and these underrated free agent gets and all this stuff. We talk, we talk a lot about trades too, but we talk quite a bit about the free agency, the free agent market. So then I decided to, um, let's go ahead and order it by free agency. The heaviest reliance on the free agency, no question, is the is the Rangers out getting Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and all of these guys, right? The top 10 for that, the Rangers, the Nationals, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Rockies, the White Sox, D-backs, the Blue Jays, and the Cubs. Again, mixed bag. But most of these guys are third or fourth in their division. You're seeing the middle of the, of the division races, of, the, of these divisions, heavily relying on free agents. So free agents can only go so far, right? And that probably, you can probably say a lot of intangible stuff, the team chemistry, maybe the mental side of the game in terms of these big salaries and, you know, stuff like that, right? Maybe these, especially the beginning for the free agents at the beginning of their contracts are getting used to a new city. You can do a lot of, you know, psychoanalysis in terms of that, but the numbers say, that free agency can only go so far. The highest reliance can only uh, the highest reliance on free agents can only get you so far in the division. Let's look at it in terms of wins. About the same, right? You're looking at it about the same in terms of wins. Maybe a little higher in terms of average wins. You got 55 for the Rangers, 
41 for the Nationals, 59 for the Giants. The Dodgers are the outlier here at 83 wins, but a lot of 60s, 50s wins teams, right? So free agency is okay, but it seems like right now at this moment, it's only getting you so far, right? It's not getting you as far as you probably want it to be. So then I decided, well, let's, let's do, um, let's do trades and waiver wires, right? So if we do trades and waiver wires, format data, there it is. And so again, heaviest reliance on trades and waivers. You've got the, the top 10 are the Rays, the Mariners, the Yankees, the Padres, again, second or first in their division, all top four. Then you have the Pirates, which again, Pirates are probably the outlier. The Brewers, second place. The Orioles, they may be fourth place in a competitive AL division, but they're still trending upwards in terms of wins this year. The Twins, second in their division. The Marlins are always kind of a sneaky kind of good team. And then 10th is the D-backs, again, trending upwards, especially from their terrible season last year. Now let's look in terms of wins, okay? You're seeing a lot more green. It's a lot more greenish, right? Seeing a lot more greenish. It may not be the best teams in the world, right? It may not be the, the Dodgers. It may not be the Astros, but you still got really good teams all over this list. You're seeing more 60, 70 win teams on teams that are relying via the trade and the waiver wire. So you're probably going to see these old school people going, oh, well, um, it's not, you know, we need more players that are going to be, um, that are lifers. They're going to be on the team for, for life, like the Mike Trouts and the Chipper Jones and the Derek Jeters of the world, right? But the, the problem is right now, that's not the game. The game is not, let's see how many lifers we can get. The game is, let's see who we can acquire. That's the best bang for our buck. That's going to help us win. Help us win this championship. Help us win this division. Help us get to where we want to go, right? So, but in order to have in my opinion, in order to have a good, in order to be able to have a roster that 65% trade, um, 65% of your roster is, is acquired via trade and still be in first and second in a competitive division, you need to be able to have a strong farm system. So that's when I decided I'm going to go look at their, uh, I'm going to go look at the Fangrass farm rankings and see where these top 10 teams are at. So that's what I that I decided to do that. So let's see. At the beginning, the Rays had a had the second best farm system. After the trade deadline, they're fifth. Okay, very good farm system. Still a very good farm system. The Mariners were fifteenth. They were okay. They had some good prospects. Now they did promote. Um, they did promote Julio Rodriguez, and it doesn't seem like Julio Rodriguez is going to go anytime soon, but they still had some prospects they could trade. And then, of course, you have Jerry DePoto, who's going to figure out how to trade all over the place, right? Now, they had the 15th best at the beginning, the 29th best now, according to fan graphs. So they're basically in win now mode, and I feel like, they, I feel like their window was starting to close in terms of we need to win and, it, and their cycle of maybe rebuilding. So they're dumping the farm system so that they can get all these players that are going to help them get to the championship. Do I think it's going to work? I don't know. Do I think it's going to last? Do I think it's going to last long? I don't think so. I'm going to be very honest with you. Why? Because you've got players like Eugenio Suarez, who's low batting average, high power. Um, you've got you know people like that who... Um, 
are not at, they don't have a big star power. Some people are saying they're going to go out and sign a big, sign a big uh, superstar. And they may sign a big superstar and build the team around that. But they, they have to start relying on free agency because according to fan graphs, they ain't got nobody to trade. They don't have any, they don't have any farm hands to trade. Um, let's go with the Yankees top 10 farm system after the trade 10 line 14th. Okay. Still very good. Um, let's highlight some other ones down here. The pirates, excuse me, the pirates, the third best farm, rank, The third best farm before and after the trade deadline. Again, the Pirates are an outlier. We never really know what the Pirates are going to do. So I don't know if this is spelling good things for the Pirates or not um, because they've had a good farm system for a while and never seem to be able to compete. Um, but here you go. Number one, the Orioles. What are they after the trade line? Number one. And they're trending upwards in terms of wins. Some people are saying, oh, well, you know, that's the um, – the Orioles have been rebuilding for 20 years and they're, they're still, they still suck. They still suck. They're still terrible. Well, they've got 62 wins. Okay. You're looking at the Yankees at 74. They're only 12 wins behind and they're first in the AL East. Right. But let's, but the AL East is super competitive. Let's look at other divisions. The Padres in a competitive NL West, 67 wins. They only have five more wins than the Orioles and they're second in their division. The Brewers, 64 wins, only two more wins than the um than, than the Orioles. And they're second in their division. The Orioles right now are just a product of being in a really, really competitive division. They have the same number of wins as the Twins, second in their division. Right. And here they have a better farm, they have a better farm system than the Mets. Right. And 78 wins. Okay. And we just saw that. The Mets had some pieces that they could trade and they signed some big free agents and they turned out to be really good. The D-backs are another one that I see climbing up, climbing up and being a pretty good team after a while. Okay. Or even in the next couple of seasons, they had the fifth best farm ranking according to Fangrass at the beginning of the season. After the trade deadline, they're still seventh and they're relying on, they're relying a little more on trades. Okay. So you, you'll probably see them come up with, uh, you'll probably see Jordan Lawler come up with the D-backs, but they've got other pieces that they can trade and build around their younger guys. You're starting to see it a little bit with them trading away David Peralta and stuff like that. And they're trending upwards in terms of wins. So I could totally, totally see this happening for the D-backs. Okay, so in my mind, my conclusion that I came to is in this game right now today, you are probably looking at the better teams are going to trade. The better teams are going to develop their farm. They may draft and develop those farm hands, but they are going to trade them for assets to, to, to win the championship. This is just the MLB. This is just MLB rosters. This is not, you know, longevity. This isn't in, I'm talking about winning a championship. The teams that are winning the most right now are relying on the trade market. They're relying on the trade deadline to, to, um, to make their roster better. Okay, so I'm going to stop sharing my screen. And so that is my conclusion. Okay, you guys saw it right here with me. And it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting development. It's an interesting development here. Um, so I hope you guys can make your own conclusions. Go ahead and do your own uh, research. 
And I really, uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to this. Um, and it was a great time. It was really great, really, really great kind of, um, experiment, really great research. And I really appreciate you all looking at it with me. And I want to spend a, uh, send a special shout out to Vince Mercandetti for starting this. This was a really interesting journey. I hope I did this. I did this, uh, did this well for you. Thank you so much. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to be the end of the show for right now. Thank you for listening to the total bases express show. Um, you can find me on Thursdays every day, um, or every Thursday for, for a while, um, for about 15, 30 minutes, and then go ahead and check out the big total paces podcast show on Sunday mornings with Felipe and Sean. Um, I really appreciate everybody coming on. Um, and uh joining and joining the conversation with me we are available on uh spotify stitcher google Podcasts, apple pod anywhere that you uh anywhere that you listen to your podcast you're probably listening you're probably going to see us and you're going to see us on youtube as well so go ahead and subscribe to our youtube page over there life group podcast and you're going to see very you're going to see another other great podcast you'll see um the new one coming up is the uh is the um is the uh what's it called orange pinstripe podcast with other baseball life men members james and and uh vince and henry and people of that nature so thank you so much for joining the uh total bases express show again my name is austin spiro and uh, until next thursday have a good one everybody